0: Hello and welcome back to the T&Eggs podcast. Today's pod is split into two segments. In the first half, we'll be discussing this weekend's Pro 14 fixtures, and we will also be looking back on how the regions fared last weekend. In the second half of this episode, we have an exclusive interview with former Scarlet and Cardiff Blues man Stephen Shingler, so stay tuned. So it was a pretty dire weekend for Welsh rugby. Not only did the international side lose to Scotland, but not one of the Welsh regions managed to record a victory. So, Dragons lost 16-28 to an informed Munster side. Scarlet's lost 3-6 to Edinburgh in West Wales. The Blues lost 7-11 to Ulster. And quite surprisingly, uh, Zebra, who sit bottom of Conference A, beat Ospreys 23-17. So, Joe, I'm going to start off with you, mate. In the Scarlet's game, could I get your assessment of the game and also... Josh helped saw red, uh, and this means that that was the third successive game where a red card has been shown to a Scarlet's lock. Is discipline something Glen Delaney will be looking at going deeper into the campaign?
1: Yeah, definitely. Discipline is going to be a problem. Got, currently got two second rows serving a ban. Sam Lausie's ban is about to end on the 9th of November, but they're really testing the strength and depth in their squad and they won't want to go much further. Uh, in their last game, they had to hand a debut to young second-row Jack Price. He did well, but you don't want to be having to dig for players in your squad. You want your strongest team out there all the time. And the way you described it was a dire outing, and I would say that only managing three points and losing 6-3, there aren't many positives to take for the scarletts
0: So, Ben, moving on to you then. Uh, the Dragons lost again uh, to Munster. And Munster are in form and they were looking stronger throughout the game what was your assessment on it
2: yeah so I think um we all predicted that Munster were going to take this one but um they continued their good start and they like you said um they, they showed they showed their uh, quality their class um just basically their form really they were more clinical than the dragons which is what you'd expect um and that was shown through their second try with a lovely kick through and then eventually a uh, ball inside and Right under the post. Um the dragons, though, they were much improved from their absolute mauling at the hands of uh, Ulster the week prior. So so that's gonna be quite good. Obviously, up next is uh, Connacht and they've they've just beat Glasgow there two from three. Um so yeah, it's um they played well, did the dragons. They're gonna hopefully might see Connacht as a as a more a game that they're better suited to them,
0: we'll say, really. So James, the Blues, frustratingly losing out 7-11 to Ulster, only four points in it. What was your assessment of that one?
3: Yeah, I think it's uh, definitely uh, three points lost as opposed to a a point gained for the Blues. Um, They did have a very, very good well-worked try with um, Jared Evans putting a nice uh, left chip in for Rayleigh regularly to score. Um, I thought their attack as a whole was not as good Uh, as it can be, definitely not as good as it was against Munster. They went out wide a lot, um, and they were kicking. They were kicking too much. I think they were a bit scared of the Ulster defence. They were, for me, the end of the first half and the start of the second half was the key. End of the first half, Ulster was piling on the pressure, and Ollie Robinson uh, for the Blues ended up having a yellow card, and Michael Lowry, last play, ended up scoring. So those little key moments there and at the start of the second half The Blues are piling on the pressure, as Oster were, and they couldn't score. So little moments like that cost the Blues, and they'll be really disappointed. They lost two in a row now, so they'll want to go to Edinburgh and win.
0: So like I mentioned, the most surprising result of the weekend was undoubtedly Zebra, who came away winners against the Ospreys. This one, I think, was more surprising because the Ospreys were looking quite sharp at the start of the season. There were some really interesting statistics uh, comparing their form last season to this season. And how they equaled the number of games won uh, last season, quite early on into this season. So I think it was surprising for everyone. Um, so Zebra actually sit rock bottom of uh, Conference A. Um, so boys, you know, there's questions open. Uh, what happened to Ospreys in that game?
3: Yeah, so it was obviously incredibly disappointed. But it was the poor start I think that really made the difference. Seventeen nil down after 20 odd minutes. You're really going to put yourself under the pressure and they were a bit unlucky because they were piling the pressure on at the end of the game. They had a disallowed try, which well, I think um, most people would agree was a try. The pass was, I think, flat at best. Um, and they, they were stopped. They had a drive more. I think They were stopped four, three metres um, before the zebra line. Got, I think it got called as a turnover. So they were unlucky um, in the end. But I think it's just one of those where you dig yourself too much of a hole. And you, that you can't get out of. So after this round in the campaign,
0: uh, the Conference A sees Osprey in third on nine points and the Dragons in fifth on five points. Conference B is shaping up with Cardiff in second on 10 points and the Scarlets in fourth on six points. So looking ahead to this weekend then, boys, uh, we have the Dragons versus Connaught on Saturday, Ospreys versus Leinster and Scarlets versus Zebra on Sunday and the Edinburgh and Edinburgh versus Blues on Monday. So, James, we'll start from Monday and work backwards. Uh, do you think the Blues can beat Edinburgh?
3: Um, It's it's an interesting one because, obviously, the Blues lost two in a row. Edinburgh have managed to uh, get a, a good win against the Scarletts, but I think the, the Blues have played two very good teams the last two weeks. I don't think Edinburgh are going to be quite up to the score uh, the scratch of Munson also, so I'm going to go for the Blues. Joe, um, Scarlets are facing Zebra
0: after that victory against the Ospreys. Uh, do you think this is a cause for concern for the Scarlets?
1: Well, I think the Scarlets have struggled so far. I think every week I've mentioned their attack. Still only two tries from their four opening games, which is a worry. But if you could pick out a team to play against, it would be Zebra, barring that one win against the Ospreys. So um, I, I, well, I think that the scholars will be able to turn it around this week.
0: So Ben, having mentioned the Dragons, uh, they are at home to Connacht on uh, Saturday. Do you think they could register a win here?
2: Yeah, I think it's obviously they would have looked at their, uh, their fixture list and seen uh, Ulster, then Munster back to back, and they would have looked, kind of probably circled this, this fixture and thought, yeah, this is probably the one we should prioritise and get a win. Um, The other two, they might have tried to get a point, a bonus point, maybe a losing bonus point. Um, But yeah, I reckon this one's going to be a lot closer than those last two games were. This is, like I said, the one they're going to circle. So I reckon uh, reckon the Dragons are going to take this one.
0: So the Ospreys are up against Leinster on Sunday. Um, Leinster, obviously, champions. Ospreys just coming off the back of losing against Zebra. Um, On paper, a bit of a mismatch, but... um, we'll have to see. I'm going to go with Leinster on that one. Um
1: Joe uh Scarlet vs Zebra Sunday. I reckon the Scarlet's will win by 7.
0: And we look forward to discussing those results next week. Coming up next, we have our exclusive interview with Stephen Shingler.
1: So, hi Stephen. Welcome to the TNX podcast. We hope you're doing well. And uh firstly, you're currently playing for the Elin Trailfinders, an ambitious club in the English Championship. How's life been?
4: Um, life is good. Um, London's um, on lockdown currently, went into lockdown today. Um, we're still training hard. we got Newcastle coming up on the weekend. Um, so that'll be a good friendly against them. That They're going to the Premiership, so it'll be a good test for the team.
3: Obviously, yeah. you just mentioned Newcastle. How nice is it to finally know that you're going to be playing a game of rugby again?
4: Oh, I know. I think we started pre-season in June um, and we're into November now, so it's definitely been a, a long old pre-season. I, I don't like pre-season, um, the most of the times so when it goes on for four or five months, it's, it's definitely been a long one. I think um, the last time we played was yeah, the end of Feb, start of March, and we were supposed to have a, a game against Leeds, Carnegie. Um, so it's... It's just, it feels an age ago since kind of getting through that routine, the game week. Um, So, yes, I'm looking forward to
1: it. There's a few uncertainties about the league season this year in the Championship. If it does go ahead, what are your aims? Can you manage promotion?
4: Um, There's there's so much speculation. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen the article in the Daily Mail with a potential no-league um, so I think that at the moment, there's, there's three scenarios. Um, a no-league where um, the PRL have offered Ian to buy shares in the Premiership um, to get promoted with Saracens. That's one, which would be um, quite nice to the player to get back to the Premiership again and test ourselves um, against the best teams. Um, the other one is a six-team league, I believe, um, starting in January with um, promotions still available. And then a the normal league starting in January, which um, at the moment, uh, like I said, going go into lockdown seems um, probably a, a I don't really know the chances of that happening. Um, so the, if, if we just, we, we based off a, a normal league campaign starting in January, we're obviously um, keyed up well. We've got a good squad this year, um, but we're playing the three-time European champions um, in that league. Um, are we going to look for promotion? Yes. Um, I think we've been training hard enough to, to warrant a, a, a crack, at least against Arsons, but we know what we're up against there. Um, they're a top team. So it'll be, I suppose, disillusioning me to, to think that we're going to go for promotion and, and top them uh, home and away. Um, so it'll, it'll come down to probably scoring bonus points um, during the league and hopefully turn them over at home. If we can get a point away from home um, and win the league that way, that'll be good. If we beat them uh, home and away, even better. That'll be like a, one of the, um, I suppose, a very optimistic way of thinking about it. But yeah, we're, we're, we're training hard and um, we're, we're hoping to put our best foot forward for sure.
3: Just a quick mention on, uh, on Saracens. If likelihood is that it won't happen, but how good would it have been if you could have had a, a packed out crowd at home against them? How different would that be uh, playing a team like
4: that, yeah, I, it's 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 an interesting one because no one really knows what's going to happen with crowds. January, February, March, it may June. So if we play them in June at home, last game of seasons uh, season, who knows? Could be could be a potential packed out crowd, to would be awesome. And um, yeah, I, I suppose it'll go on fixtures as well uh, when we play them. We know the Six Nations is scheduled to uh, start in February, which they lose a lot of their players there. Um, it'll be a, probably a good time to play them. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, there's so many variables, but the, the chance of playing at home, especially with if, if a big crowd, is um, one as a player you look really look forward to.
1: So you're a seasoned pro now with a number of top-level uh, games under your belt, but you've also been doing a little bit of coaching with London Welsh. Um, is that something you want to do in the future, post-career maybe?
4: Yeah, good knowledge, lads. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, I've, I've enjoyed my coaching. I, I firstly started off with um, Hendy RFC, which is a, a club in West Wales by in Clefley. Um So I, f- I first got into coaching just because I wanted to spend a little bit more time with my friends on Tuesday, Thursday. Sorry, it's gone. Tuesday, Thursday, um, and really enjoyed it and um, had a little bit of success there. We went from Division 2 uh, to Division 1, uh, managed to finish second one year. Um, and then I went up to sign for Eland and, and got in touch with uh, Kai Griffiths, who's the director of rugby at um, London Welsh at the moment. And we had a, a season where we got promoted. Um, so, so far, so good. I do really enjoy it. And um, am I looking to go and coach in after my career? Yes.
3: And uh, before you moved to London, you obviously had a little spell in France. Can you tell us a bit about that? Was it different, the experience, obviously? Gotta speak French language barrier it must have
4: been quite hard at times. Sava, we oui? <laughs> um, um oh, it was it was a brilliant experience. I think um for me, I have obviously got an older brother who's been a scholar his whole career, um, hasn't changed club, and that's that's a brilliant thing to do. And probably players in in my generation is probably something which is far fewer between, really. Um I had a chance to go over to France. I knew I was going to leave Cardiff kind of blues, probably lacked a bit of game time there uh, through injury and then through other players probably playing really well. Jared Evans stepped up and, and probably grabbed that, uh, that 10 shirt, moving on to the 15 and myself onto the bench or even out the squad sometimes. Um, so when the opportunity came up, I, I just thought, yeah, why not experience France? Um, southwest of France between, uh, I think it was March and, and May, I knew the weather was going to be good. <laughs> Um, so I've seen it as, yeah, experienced something else and really enjoyed it. Um, a club called uh, San, uh, also known as, as Sad Montoir, a really good club, um, Pro D2. But it was it was interesting. It was it was my first time going into a second tier kind of level um, from playing Pro 14 in the, the Viva. I kind of expected this to be a little bit more of a drop-off in standard and maybe the supports, but uh, my first game was a Thursday night and there was 7,000 people watching the game, which is more than the average of Cardiff Blues and Scarlets. Um, so I was blown away with the atmosphere and how, how passionate they are for rugby. Um, so, yeah, I just really enjoyed and really enjoyed the kind of different playing styles they, they kind of play out there and how they motivate themselves before games, which is quite, uh, quite an experience. Yeah,
1: you mentioned uh, motivating before the games. Was the culture there? A lot different to over in Wales, in London?
4: Hugely different. Um, they, they, they're very much passionate people, the French. Um, and normally, kind of, my usual routine before kick-off is a 2pm kick-off, go out at one, um, kind of an individual stretch, few kicks, come back in, um, and then go out as a, a team or probably about half an hour before the game. My first game, we didn't go outside until 10 minutes before kickoff. And it was very much just all the atmosphere was built up in the change rooms. And that indoor mm-hmm. area just playing absolutely loud, berserk music from ACDC, um, banging heads together. And I went into that game so nervous because I even had a shot goal just to warm up. Um, I completely got the timings wrong. Because this it's all up in, in French. Um, they just showed me the, the, how they play at home. Um, the, the passion they play with and sometimes a warm-up is probably not needed it's just um, sometimes who wants it more and it's certainly evident in French rugby.
3: So you mentioned before you moved uh, you were at the Blues obviously being a Blues fan it was great having you um, you were part of the Challenge Cup team that won in Bilbao I, you didn't play did you uh, in the 23 no. but, but um, how good was it to be part of that um, that team to win some silverware?
4: Yeah, it it's funny in rugby it can be sometimes a really long season, but um the the quarter semis and, and the final was, was good a good experience to be a part of that squad. Um I think we had a brilliant win against Pau in the semi finals. Um and that was that was a really good day. And just building up to Bilbao is is a fantastic weekend and um that that was in Spain, it was a completely different experience, the whole squad and um, lovely part of the world. And it was a big weekend after it. So no uh, to be a part of a squad with Lifting Silver is good. Really disappointed I wasn't involved. Um, but hopefully I played my part in prepping the team well. And and sometimes as a professional rugby player, that's, that's ultimately your, your job. Sometimes there's 45, 50 uh, people sometimes in a squad. Um, and you normally have about 15 boys who are happy because they're starting. Um, seven or eight boys were on the bench, disappointed not to be started. And, and the rest who are absolutely good not to be selected or injured. Um, so sometimes you got to uh, manage that as probably as a coach manager and, and as a player, your expectation on playing every game and, and knowing your role in that team. And my role at, at that point was prepping the team to go out and win on the weekend. So I'd done my job there and um, yeah, it was good to be a part of it.
3: It can't have been many better things playing for a club than winning Silverware, but if there was one thing, Surely it would be fooling the ref into giving your brother a yellow card instead of you. Talk, talk us for that moment. <laughs> where, uh, you tackled uh, Aaron, but uh, he somehow got Simbend.
4: Oh, I'm not sure if that ref has ref too much um, since that game. Uh, it, was, it was extremely <laughs> frustrating game. I think the... The, the first half, we were pretty much camped on their half. We had seven odd penalties in the scrum, nor awarded a penalty try or anything like that. So you had a few shockers, but that one was... Yeah, I was, I, I'm, I'm probably regrettable of my actions, kind of wave my hands up to say, get him off. For me, was how he was pointing his arm the other way, and I kind of just went with it and in the moment. And, um, yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was good to catch up with him after the game he was probably quite happy that he won the game. I think if they um, had lost and he got sent off, it would probably be a different um, different story. But yeah, it was, it was one, as, as you kind of get over, you cherish kind of little moments like that. And um, yeah, it was, it was good fun at the back of it really.
1: So you mentioned your brother there. We spoke about him already. He made his debut in 2012, but really came into his own in the 2018 Six Nations. How close are you two and how supportive of each other are you in each other's careers?
4: Yeah, um, it's, it's an interesting one because when he was, my first kind of breakthrough was when I played for the Scars against London Irish um, and kicked a load of penalties. He just probably landed me a contract up in, up in London and it was he was probably more nervous for me making my debut um, and, and playing for the Scars. He was kind of always, I was kind of watching him, he was watching me during the game, which kind of not puts you off, but yeah. Probably as a protective brother, and especially an older brother, he was always standing behind me for kicks. And um, if I was kicking a touch, he was like, "Make sure that fucking ball goes out." <laughs> um, so it was it was one of those where it was it was good. Probably more enjoyable during the week than the actual game. And after the game, it, it was good. But we probably wanted uh, each other to do so well. We probably watching each other a little bit too much. Um, and in terms of supporting each other, yeah we probably speak a lot more when I was in London Irish and up here. Um, so we ask how the week's going and whatnot. And when you're playing with each other, you, you're with each other so often, you actually don't have, like, you know, you kind of talk about your day, which you've already done together. <laughs> um, so it's good to kind of bounce conversations off what teams are doing, what our health training's going. Um, but in terms of support, yeah, he's, he's a good older brother and, um, yeah, he, he, was a, he was a tough childhood had uh, grown up four years uh, younger than him. Me about a bit, but probably put me in a, a good state going into professional rugby. Then, so we
3: are gonna go back a few years now. As a uh, 20 year old, you were called up uh, to the Scotland squad, um, yeah. but you, world rugby world, you were eligible. Um, can you tell us a bit about that?
4: Oh, um, yeah, it's probably a good story, and I don't mind, um, sorting of me now, it's probably quite difficult. Um, At the time, because I was um, twenty, was I twenty years old? Yeah, I was twenty years old Um, at the time up in London. I had a really good relationship with um, a guy called Mike Cat, who's um, probably one of my all-time favorite coaches. Really had a lot of time for me, and he had a a good relationship with Andy Robinson, who was a Scottish coach. Um, So he he asked me one weekend and. um, like things like I mentioned before, it all happens very quickly. he asked me during the week, have you ever about playing with Scotland? And um, I was like, no, not really at <laughs> all. I know um, my mother's Scottish and uh, I, I spent a lot of time up there as a childhood in, in the summers. And um, when the Six Nations were on, when they weren't playing in Wales, it was probably a sport in Scotland, um, but not not massively. Um, and then it was a Friday before a uh, game, I think it was, just before the, the squads got announced. Um, so I had a phone call off Andy Robinson going to the cinema Charles pretty embrace a, it was a big part of um, my life and um, it's a good story I like telling now um, going to the cinema I had a phone call off Andy Robinson um, he said Steve I'm announcing my um, Six Nations squad 12pm tomorrow uh, would you like to be net? <laughs> and I was like wow this, this is pretty unbelievable I said can you give me uh, an hour or two uh, and, and let you know. I uh, phoned all the people who were kind of important in my life parents, brother, agent, um, one or two players uh, who are now coaching, um, asked for their opinion. It came down to I was 20, rugby was going well, I was ambitious. Um, I was in England. It was kind of the, where it was kind of if you were playing in Wales, you had to play in Wales to play for Wales. Um, and I was just in you know, my first year um into my contract of up, up in London, so I was gonna be there for another year in uh London Irish. And one of the conversations um was if if Wales were knocking on your door, who would you choose? Is yeah, probably both Wales. Um are they knocking on your door? No. So you've got a decision to make where Scotland are knocking on the door, ready to you in the Six Nation squad. Or you could be waiting for a, a Welsh phone call for ten years and it doesn't come. So uh these moments happen quick, you have to make a, a decision, and um, I decided to, to make a decision and say, yeah, I was happy to play with Scotland.
1: How does it feel now that you never actually made an appearance for Wales?
4: Um, I'm not really a bit a person and um, for, for my career path, the way it's gone, um, I would not really change too much. I think, ultimately, if I was probably good enough, have, I would have played. Um, so that's probably the hard thing to say out loud. Um, did it matter that I decided to go to play for Scotland and then uh, kind of uh, announce myself as as Welsh? I don't think so. I think um, my biggest downfall was probably around the time where I was knocking around the, the Six Nations. I was kind of playing 12, playing 10, a little bit of 15. So... Um, I was always going to be kind of a squad player, going into a squad and as an injury replacement. And the the rugby I was playing at the time was was probably good enough for a call up. And um, unfortunately, Jamie Roberts was the twelve um, at the time, and he was particularly good um, in, his, in his heyday. And uh, went to the tour of South Africa and I was the the backup twelve. And I think Jamie Roberts was um, playing his forty of tests, tests in a row. He didn't he didn't miss too too many. Um, so if you got injured in that week, I, I may have stepped up and, pl- and played. Um, you didn't. I didn't I didn't play. I'm probably going back to the scholars, I probably should have nailed nailed down the position. I was still kind of flirting between trying to play every, everywhere and didn't really establish myself as, as a number one, 10, 10 or 12, really, which is probably probably my positions. And, and even today at, at 29, playing, playing rugby for, for 10 years, I still actually don't know my best position. I know I really enjoy goal kicking, but I think if I really applied myself at, at 12, um, put a bit of weight on, worked on my ball carrying skills, it may have worked in a different route. Um, so that's probably my only regret and nothing to do with Wales is probably more me kind of um, flipping in and out of the 10-12 the situation, um, probably when I was playing my best rugby between 21 and, and 25 probably.
1: So, at only 29, your career isn't over. Um, what what ambitions do you still hold?
4: Yeah, the body feels good. Um, I can't remember, and I always forget. Uh, Piers Francis, is he a Northampton player? Yeah. Um, I think he uh, came up through the, the championship and made his England debut at 30. I may be wrong with this. Um, so, I'm, I'm not 30 yet, and um, it, it gives you hope. And Hadley Parks is, was 30 when he... He made his um his, his Welsh debut, so it's it's definitely his lower rugby in front of me. Um, it'll really depend on club form and how Elin go. I've just signed another two year deal, and absolutely love love my rugby at the moment with with Ealing. Um, it's probably not the level that I'd, I'd want to be playing at. I I definitely want to get myself up to the top flight again. Um, and that's that's the challenge I came to to Ealing knowing knowing that I was probably. In pursuit of playing consistent rugby, with um, I last year the Blues kind of on off a little bit. In my last two years, um, so playing rugby consistently um, again was was the biggest aim, um, and the aim is is still the same get get in promotion and get back playing top flight rugby because as soon as you're kind of knocking around that top flight and you're playing well, um, probably without one one phone phone call away and, and getting a sniff again, but. Um. Yeah. My, my main priority is probably just in, enjoying rugby. Um. And not not chasing that kind of l- lustrous Welsh cap. Because um, I'm playing in English Rugby Division Two Championship at and um, it's it's very optimistic of me to think that um, I'll have a phone call anytime soon. But so the, the immediate aim is just to play play as much rugby as I can, play consistently well, and get Elena really into the Premiership.
3: Looking back. On your, all of your career so far, what would you say is the kind of number one moment, number one match, etc.? Just the best kind of highlights that you always kind of remember.
4: Oh, the guys asked this question uh, quite recently, and um, I think I played close to kind of two hundred odd um, top class class games. I can probably remember three or four. Uh, which stands out, and and one was my first, well, I, I think my third appearance for Scars is the, the game against London Irish in the Majeski in the LV Cup. Um, so we went, so the English league um, normally puts out a, a youngish, youngish team the first week and goes full ball, ready to go back in the Premiership again. So we played London Irish the second week, and they, they went full hit, and we were, like like most Welsh clubs, we uh, were using a second choice, and younger players there, uh, playing the LV, but we, we had a decent team. Um, my brother was playing Ben Morgan, I think, if you remember him, Gloucester number eight, he was, he was playing. And we all played together in the um, Obviously, well, he actually mentioned a few names more. So, Sandry uh, Lima was playing, Gav Davis was playing, Scott Williams was playing. So, some some good good boys there. Um, and we didn't really go up with too much. We were just worried about ourselves, really, and playing well, so we can sneak into the Scar side there. I'll stay in the Scarlet side. Um, no hope of, of winning and um, and turn them over. Uh, kicked, I think it was seven or eight um, kicks from all over the shop. Um, and just kind of established myself as a, a player which has got potential for the future. So that was one which, which stood out and and going back uh, from Red to Llanelldi was a, a good feeling. Um, another one was probably Munster at home with the Scarlet. So kicked a, a winning kick at the end of the game. Um, from fifty, and it's just that them little kind of feelings when you when you go home and do practice in the wind and rain, and it's difficult that kind of buzz and feeling you get of all that practice kind of coming to fruition and nipping paying off is, is a good feeling. So yeah, that, them to the probably the Judgment Day games um, are pretty good when you first first run out in um, in the Millennium or Principality now. And probably saying that my flashly RFC first ever game in the Principality Stadium is the Millennium Stadium. Then in the Welsh Cup final, we beat Cromwell and Quinns. Um, So, yeah, there's probably three, four games I remember. Um, and yeah, I suppose their memory stick thickened a few, and they have a kind of 190 odd games you can't remember too much.
1: Thank you for your amazing insight there. Um, we wish you the best on Saturday from all of us at TNX Podcast. Um. Uh, thank you.
4: See your eggs on fire. Cheers, boys. Yes. <laughs>